Our scripture reading today is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. And our sermon today is entitled, well, Christian Contentment. This is the word of God. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Whenever we have a recipe before us, before us, perhaps it's a recipe to make bread. Perhaps it's a recipe for a good steak. We always go down the list of ingredients because, well, the ingredients is what makes the dish taste good. The better the ingredients, the better that it will taste. Uh, we all know that if you have a good piece of meat, that no matter how you prepare it, in a sense, that will be a better steak than a piece of meat that just isn't as good. Well, contentment or Christian contentment is much like a recipe. It is something that we all long for. It's something that we all long to have, to create. And the question that we need to bring upon ourselves is, well, what are the ingredients for Christian contentment? What is it that we have to bring and mix together that we ourselves can be content as people of God? Now, if we bring the wrong ingredients to Christian contentment, well, we won't be as content as we were meant to be, according to the Lord. But we will be fighting ourselves and fighting the world, fighting with family members, fighting with our employers about our happiness, about our contentment. It's incumbent upon us as Christians to fight for Christian contentment because Christian contentment is the light and the salt 
that we bear witness to the world. What good is it if we say that we know Jesus and declare Jesus to the world and yet show the world that we are unhappy, to show the world that we long for something more than Jesus? Christian contentment is something that we all have to long for and strive for in order to be witnesses to the world that Jesus is all we need. The world is watching us, and the world understands that what we say and what we do, where our hearts incline to, that that itself is the fruit or the witness of our faith in him. Our children know us well. Our children hear what we say, but our children know our actions. The children understand the subtext of what we say, and they know what it is that our hearts really long for. Christian contentment is also important for you as well. You were made to be content. You were made to bear the fruit of joy, of peace, of patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You were meant to have fulfillment. You were meant to be able to wake up in the morning and be at peace with God and peace with those around you. You were meant to be able to breathe, not have panic attacks, not have anxiety that drives you to the worst corners of your mind. God made you to enjoy him and to be content in him. God also made you to love other people and to show them the truths of the gospel. But without contentment, it's hard to love people. Because without contentment, you are always looking to fill yourselves and to seek things to help yourself. But God calls us to love. And there's no greater joy in the Christian life as well than to be able to love people to be able to sacrifice for people, to be able to watch people grow in the Lord himself. You see, Christian contentment is not just a self-help. Christian contentment is the Christian life. Christian contentment helps us to express who we belong to. And so today, I, I want to sort of just give a broad, some broad strokes here in Philippians about what Christian contentment is. First and foremost, what are the main ingredients to this recipe of Christian contentment? In order for us to be content with our Christian life, we need to understand what is the big narrative in our lives. 
we must understand what are the foundational principles of who we are in our identity. We must understand the, the principal purposes for which we were born and which we, uh, we live. We must understand the goal, the ultimate goal of our lives. Only when we have that big picture of what God is doing can we understand where our discontent is coming from and where our contentment must rest. You, brothers and sisters, know full well that our condition before the Lord, before we knew Christ, is that we were sinners before an angry God, deserving of all punishment. And living in that sin, a complexity of things occurred to us. One, as we stand in judgment before God, we know that in the very last day, when God says to us, you knew me not, when God says to us, you have broken my commandments, and he ushers to us that you will be condemned for all of eternity, we will all stand before him and, and not fight the judgment, but acknowledge that we have sinned against God and deserve all the punishment that we deserve. And along with that comes a myriad of other consequences in our lives here today. We know that we were meant to be with God, to, 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 to live before God, to worship God. And our discontentment occurs because we want other things more than God himself. Sin is not simply abrogating the law of God but sin is pleasing oneself over against pleasing our God who loves us. And when we seek after these other things that we know that cannot fulfill us completely, our discontentment grows. We see that even in our own lives as Christians ourselves, we want things that other people have whether they are our brothers and sisters in Christ or whether they are people in this world, whether it is finances, relationships, fame, whatever it may be. Now, many of you here are still, still very much in your 20s, and, but perhaps God can give you wisdom beyond your years right now to understand that whatever you want, even if God doubles what you want and gives it to you, you will not be content. Even if God triples that which you want, you will not be content. For we know that the things of this world cannot fill the deepest recesses of our hearts. A desire to be loved, to be understood, a desire to have the God of the universe say to us, I know you. I love you. Your life is assured in my hands that nothing in this world can take that away from you. I belong to you and you belong to me. It is our sins that have separated us from God. It is our sins that have, have led us to our, our idolatries 
It's our sins that have led us to discontentment in all things. And yet God did not leave us in our sins. God did not leave us in our hopelessness. But as Romans 5, 8 says, while you are yet still sinners, God died for you. God loved you. The God who saved you in Jesus Christ is the same God who is saving you right now, delivering you from your sins, delivering you from your weaknesses, delivering you from your discontentment. And it's when we look upon the holiness of Christ and the love of Christ that we find contentment in him. Nothing else. No one else. Now for many of us as believers, we we know this in our minds and we know this, many of us in our hearts. But we start to realize that the battle for our hearts It's a continuous battle until the Lord returns. But we know that when he does return, and this is our hope, that when he does return, we will inherit every good, perfect gift. All that you long for in the perfection of Christ will be given to you. That is the love, that is the generosity that Christ has for his people. And so for us, in order to be content, this big picture of who we are in God has to remain forefront in our minds, that we are sinners, but we've been saved by grace. That yes, we are discontent, but God is our great contentment. That we know that in the end, when Jesus returned, all the good things that we desire will be fulfilled in him, in him alone. And we look to him and to him only. Everything else and everyone else will disappoint. But Christ never does. So if you're going to build your world around discontent, around Christian contentment, the main ingredient, and may I say almost the only ingredient, is simply Christ. And Christ's love for you. And your love for him. Let's continue and look at this passage and see how Paul addresses this issue of Christian contentment as well. Second point, Christian contentment is something that is learned. It's not something that automatically comes into our hearts. And so don't beat yourself up when you see your heart saying, I want more of this or I need more of this. Don't beat yourself up if you, if you see your heart sort of, you know, straying one way or another. Just come to Christ and say, God, I don't know why I want more of this, 
Why do I want more money? God, I don't know why I want this relationship. God, I don't know why I want this status, but I, but I want it. And I'm angry enough and anxious enough. But I know I need to be content in you. And instead of fighting with it one-on-one, trying to figure out why do I want better finances or whatever it may be, you take it to God and you go, God, why do I want this when I know that you and you alone can fulfill the longing that, that money has for me? What is it about my heart that I need to learn and as you wrestle with that with the Lord, the Lord is gracious to teach you, to bring you to Him, for you to understand that the things of this life, the good things of this life have been given to you, but that only God can fulfill you in such ways that money, relationships, or anything else in this world cannot. but it's something that's learned. And so to be patient and encouraging to one another, to simply bring them to the cross and to let Jesus be the one who changes you. A lot of this sort of comes from just the way that many of you came to know Jesus. Many of you came to know Jesus when you were very, perhaps in your college years or, 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 or younger. And when you came to know Jesus, it was this sort of like, beautiful, momentous occasion, and and God bless you when you came to know the Lord. But you almost had this idealistic notion that I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be this totally different person. And for a while you are. But then you start to notice that, oh my goodness, even though Jesus loves me completely and I know Jesus, there's a lot of the old self that still lives in me. And you can get discouraged very easily. But let me tell you, if that's the way you think about your Christian life, then you're living a life of self-righteousness and not a life of grace. Because all God is doing is showing you that you are not saved by your works, but you're saved by my loving grace to you and you alone. When you came to know the Lord, a lot of you said, Lord, I give you my life. I give you everything. And then as you sort of walk in your life, you sort of take away things from God. You go like, well, God, I'll give you my life, but, you know, my my future employment, you know, I'll take care of that, God. Uh, My future relationships, well, I'll take care of that, God. Money, I'll, I'll take care of that. And you start to to realize that, my goodness, I am not as good as I think I am. I am not as super Christian as I think I am. But that's the point. God, by his graciousness, allows you to see that you belong to him, allows you to see that your whole life is his. But then God, his 
in his infinite wisdom started to show you that even in this life, you who thought that you gave everything to God, you never did. But God still loves you and saved you and loved you anyway. And what God is doing now is slowly showing you what it is that you actually need to grow in, to repent of, to give over to him. So you can't be hard on yourself. This is God's plan. You can't be hard on other people. This is God's plan. But to be content, gracious, and loving to bring people to the cross and simply say, let us learn together to be content in Jesus. So we can talk about money openly in this church because money is not the ultimate thing. We can talk about struggles and relationships. Why? Because our relationships are not the ultimate thing. We can talk about our jobs that we have or jobs that we wish we had and not be upset because our jobs is not our ultimate thing. But we can help each other. What does God teach us about being content with money, content in our relationships, content in our workplace? It is something that is learned. And I urge you all, to be learners in the school of Christian contentment. Don't be surprised, but know that God is working in you. Thirdly, Paul has learned that contentment is not about circumstances, but but contentment is about Christ himself. This is probably the most important thing in the Christian life when we try to figure out whether or not we are content in things. We spend most of our time, unfortunately, thinking and chasing after things that we have no business thinking and chasing after. Scripture teaches us that don't don't concern yourself with things that that are are too wonderful for you, but also don't concern yourself with things that distract you as well. The more you concern yourself with things like this, the more those things become things that are greater than God himself. Now, there's no... nothing wrong with the things of this world in their proper place. But once those things become the only things that you speak about, talk about, are concerned about, then your heart will start to drift. Whether God has given you plenty or whether you're in want, Paul says, be content in who Christ and in Christ himself. but to look and measure at the things that you have or wish you had will only lead, well, you knew so well, anxiety, restlessness, no sleep, 
discontentment. Lots of coffee or lots of alcohol. But our duty is, let's get away, let's throw away the things that encumber us. Simplify our lives to the Lord and the things that are important. And God will surely bless us with contentment. You guys live in a world, unfortunately, with, with the information that we have, that you can learn to do almost anything and everything. And you can see what people are doing anywhere and everywhere, anytime. What good has it done for you? What good has it done for you in your Christian life? Be content in the Lord. Be content in what he has before you. Be content and nurture and serve and love the things and the people that God has placed before you. Be content that he is sovereign and placed on your plate exactly what he has for you to work on. Paul is ecstatic, is content, whether in plenty or in want. So shall we be as well. Lastly, be confident that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, this passage is one of the most, this verse is one of the most misinterpreted and misused verses in, in our Christian world today. You go to almost any high school gym or college gym or, or especially Christian colleges and you see that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we use that term to think that, you know, I can, I can throw a football 50 yards now. I can dunk now. I can, you know, I can become the valedictorian in my school. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if that verse really meant that, then that verse is the biggest lie there is because I can't dunk. But when it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, here in this context of this passage, what does it mean? It means God has promised that you can be content in all things. You can do it. It is one of those promises of God that is, that is saying that I am with you. I am saving you. I am going to give you contentment. You can do it. You can say no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. You can say no to, to, to Instagram and to all those other social media things. And you can say yes to Jesus and yes to my family and yes to the things that God has given to me. I can say no to the temptations of wanting uh, the, 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 the quintessential American life. Now you can say yes to living a life in Christ. You can do it. You are not allowed to say, I can't do it. You are not allowed to say, this is too hard for me. You are not allowed to say that God needs some, gives me some supernatural strength to do that. No, I can do all things. In all things, be content through Christ who strengthens me. 
And when you do so, brothers and sisters, when you say yes to Jesus and see Jesus grow in his love before you, the world will see. The world will look upon you and say, these Christians are different. The people at CCPC are, are different. They're content in the Lord. Their jewel is the Lord. Their joy is the Lord. And not only will we bear witness, brothers and sisters, but in our contentment with Jesus, we will be gaining what we all yearn for, to be loved, to be known, to be content. For Jesus loves us. Praise be to our God. Praise be to our Savior. Let's pray. God, you are the one who indeed supplies every need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There is indeed nothing that we lack, Lord God. You have provided us so much, Lord Jesus not only because we live in an age of abundance, but even more so because you have provided spiritually to us, Lord. Father, in this world that distracts, you always bring us back to you, enabling us to focus upon you and the greatness of your love. Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone, but that you keep impressing upon our hearts that we belong to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. Help us not to give up the fight. Help us to say yes to you and yes to godly contentment, Lord. Father, many of us here have already looked, at, looked in different places. And we can say with certainty, that whatever the world offers, it lacks tremendously. And so, Lord, help us as a church to encourage one another to know you and to love you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.